and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guests on the show are the Redneck Manifesto, specifically their guitarists, Maddie Bolger and Niall Byrne. They're a six-piece from Crumlin in Dublin, completed by drummer Mervyn Craig, bassist Rich Egan and Niall O'Connor and Glenn Keating on keyboards, percussion and lots of other bits and pieces. The Rednecks are celebrating 20 years as a band in 2018 with a show at Vicar Street on Friday, November 30th. And on the same day, they released their fifth album, The How. It was recorded in Attica Audio in Donegal with David and Carl Odlam and Tommy McLaughlin and was mixed at Black Box Studios by David Odlam. Their Wikipedia entry is great, by the way. A little taster of the Redneck Manifesto. They formed in August 1998 as a four-piece composed of members of several prominent Dublin bands. Niall Byrne came from Jack Beast, Rich Egan from Black Belt Jones and Maddie Bulger from The Waltons. Mervyn Craig came from the Dundalk band Hilton Weir and Neil O'Connor would join the band in 2003 coming from the Connect Four Orchestra. Redneck Manifesto have released four albums over the last two decades that they've been together. 36 Strings came in 2001, Cut Your Heart Off From Your Head in 2002, I Am Brazil in 2004. Man, they were prolific back then. Friendship came six years later in 2010 and yeah, 2018, The How, eight years later. As well as that, there have been a couple of EPs and a load of other things. Seriously, check out the Wikipedia page. It's really, really good. There's, it's comprehensive. So here are Maddie and Niall talking about what they have and haven't been up to since Friendship came out eight years ago. They talk about Richie and Maddie living in Sweden and making the band work, how Redneck's song comes together, touring Japan specifically, and also maybe the not-so-fun tours that they've had talk about the early years and a whole host of lot more so thanks a lot for listening on with the show i'm niall i play guitar in the Renick manifesto and uh, my name is matthew and i play guitar also so we're sat here in the middle of crumlin where i've never been is this like the home of Renick manifesto yeah it would be kind of like yeah it would be kind of our home we've kind of selected crumlin we could, like you're, you're not from crumlin you're from uh where the hell are you from malahide i'm from malahide originally but yeah. when the band started whatever, 20 years ago, yeah. I was living in Drimna at the time, which is kind of next door to Cullen. It's Dublin 12. Yeah, we all live, we all from different, we could have been easily a Malahide band, if you know, if the, the Malahide dudes in the band had a bit more say. We could have been rehearsing a Malahide instead of Crumlin. Yeah. Well, I'm the only one, there's two guys from, Neil and Glenn are from Coolock, yeah. which is out towards Malahide. Uh, Merv is from Dundalk, Dundalk originally, <laughs> so we'd never be kind of relocating to Dundalk. Yeah. But basically, like, but like back in the day, we've been together obviously for twenty years, and um, we started off like my parents built this kind of really shitty shed in the back garden, and then like out of out of a couple of garden sheds that were stuck together, and then it developed, and then they they they're amazing to invest time and build an actual shed made of cement, and uh, we started rehearsing here in bands. Uh, it was just it happened just after we got together. Yep. This this kind of shed or studio is still called a shed, but the studio uh, came together, and that this we this is where we write our music. So we are a Crumlin band. Yeah. The music is from Crumlin. We recorded the first two albums were recorded in here, were they? Yeah, first two albums. Were first two here. albums were recorded yeah. in this shed slash studio. Yeah. Your back garden. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we have like you know filling it's around the road, the corner there. You got. Conor McGregor across the way, the, sh- the shame of Crumlin. Oh, I'm joking. And <laughs> That's really harsh. <laughs> you know, but we identify ourselves as a Crumlin band, yeah. Yeah. We could have just said that, you know. <laughs> is, it, is there any, um, I, like at Stark, when I, when I got here, is there any, like, uh, statue of Phil? There's no statue around. No, no, that would get just, a, that would get thrown into, like, a huge fire with loads of wheelie bins just melted into a huge freaky sculpture in about an hour. 
Yeah, they burn everything around here, you know, that they don't understand, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the kids don't even, probably don't even know that Philin is from here anymore. You know what I mean? He's just so old. Yeah, yeah, he could be. It's just basically like Beethoven or something now. You know, he's <laughs> just so distant to the kids. Do you think kids around here listen to Tin Lizzy? No, no, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say they listen to what? No, no, they'd be listening to some, I don't know, Little Minx or something. If you put a Little Minx statue there. They wouldn't touch it. it uh, d- not, not to make you sound old, but it's actually a little mix. <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> I'm you glad. Well, uh, I'm glad I don't know the name. <laughs> so, uh, so big fan, big fan, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, they're they're trying to break America at the moment. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. God. So when did you move to Sweden, Maddie? Because like I'm I'm like wow, he's been in Sweden for a few years. If I if I'm right, like, and the parents haven't been like. Trying to get rid of the studio or anything No, like because that? my brother, he's in the guitar quartet. He uses this as his kind of, he's a composer and he works in here. As you can see, there's musical notation all over the walls. And uh, so he uses this as an office and writing space. So, and then we kind of come back. He's done it. Man, it was a real piece of shit before he came in here. Now it looks absolutely beautiful. But um, yeah, I've been in Sweden for 10 years. So I've been in the band equal amount of time living in Sweden and living in Dublin. So it's really odd. Like it, it, the time goes so quickly. I felt like the time before I left for Sweden went extremely slow. And then when I went to Sweden is when like that, the older you get or whatever. But um, so it's been like hard. Like, but the great thing is that Richie moved to Sweden three, day, three years after uh, I did. So we kind of, we, although we don't write music over there together so much, we do talk about the band a lot and kind of keep the fire burning. Yeah. It took us a while to learn how to... Not that we didn't, not that we stopped existing as a band. We still existed as a band, but we weren't really being creative as much when you guys first went to Sweden. Because it took us a while to find our feet in terms of how can we keep the band going and being productive. We tried a few things like sending files over the internet or back and forth. We actually used this thing. What was it called? E jamming, e jamming, right? And it's it's because you're thinking like, okay, I'm in Sweden, Niall's here, Skype should be able to just play music together. Uh, and just jam on guitar because you know like you're thinking there's no latency when you're talking to somebody but so is. you try that and it's a huge <laughs> latency you know uh, you're in totally two different dimensions when you're talking to somebody on Skype but um, so we tried to jam over this new thing where you could connect to your sound card and like jam online and then out, then it outputs the file as like individual stems of jamming you know and then you can bring those into different programs that didn't work it didn't work for <laughs> us you just have to make us. drone music you know where there's no percussive element because if you just a milliseconds off you can't we, we, we're so we're, we're such a rhythmic rhythmical band it's very hard for us to be able to if there's any latency involved we can't do it which is a real pity because it could be really cool just to like not look at each other but just hear each other from over yeah it will it will actually like, but the thing about it, the band i think a lot of our creative process like is done kind of looking because you say stuff without saying it you're playing and I can tell by looking at Maddie whether he's digging what I'm doing you know and other members of the band I'd be looking at you know I'm going no this isn't right and I can tell by their kind of body language that what I'm doing is not right and then if I click and it's playing properly everyone's kind of going yeah yeah you know you don't have to be talking just going oh keep jamming they just you know by their posture and like oh all of a sudden they'll start playing a little bit differently because they're feeding off you yeah I think it helps us to be really creative when we're in the same space so in the same room as each other whereas trying stuff online you could do it with some type of low res emojis you know like where it kind of <laughs> yeah. emoji like a sad emoji just means that really yeah. shit yeah and it's, it's not getting any better <laughs> what am I doing I'm, I'm and doing a toured a toured emoji means yeah. it's great yeah, yeah. real confusing 
Um, so so let's kind of talk about like the the more recent past. I guess like the last ten years yeah. or so before we go uh, even further back and yeah. test your memories of the early years. Yeah. Like um. So you released the last album in twenty eleven. Yeah. Like. And you were touring that for a while. Like, it hasn't been like you've been gone away for eight years. No. But we don't, like, touring as in playing a gig once every eight months. You know what I mean? That's, like, our tour. Like, people could tour two weeks and do the amount of gigs that we've done in ten years. You know, that kind of way. We barely ever play. But it's good to kind of keep uh, keep it going. Yeah, yeah. And if we don't, if we don't feel like we need to play, we don't play. There's, like, there's no... It's, we don't play... We Like, if we have... Say, for example, we've got the, a tour coming up in Japan in May right so we so we're going away for like whatever amount two weeks or something so we know that we're going to need to book a gig to get money together to be able to travel to japan that will be in a that will be a kind of a like that will incentivize us to play a gig you know uh this is a our 20 year celebration that's happening on on friday that's incentive enough and then we slapped on the album release onto that as well um but uh performing live for us we love it we absolutely love it but we prefer to uh, write new music if we're if, if we're if all of the six of us can get together in a room it's not as fun to just rehearse rather than write so we would prefer to that's why we play so little as well so like we, it's just for us it's not wasted time to be in a rehearsal room uh, going over tracks because you have to, like we do love playing live we're not underestimating that at all but it's more valuable for us to be together and write than to rehearse basically. I think as well because we play so rarely live that like you were saying that last album was whatever eight years ago but we can still play those songs because we haven't kind of overdone it live with them you know we're not bored of those songs because we don't play that often they still sound really fresh and they're still really fun to play and we play them fresh as well i suppose you yeah. know like we don't we don't like we'd, we'd rarely we're like because we played them so little and we rehearsed them so little they are new to us because we have to re-remember them every time and it's like it's not like it's not like it's in our muscle memory but it's it's still you're still on edge playing them so there's a kind of a, a um an energy to them like as if you've just you know what i mean it's hard to explain i suppose about that but i think they are still fresh because they haven't we haven't overplayed any of them live yeah um because we don't play live that often like if you're going on tour for like two years solid like some bands do you're bound to get jaded playing the same songs. You just go, oh God, please let me, I never want to hear this song again. But we've played, since the last album, a short probably a short tour in Japan, yeah. a short tour in the States, you know, gigs around. But they're all like really short, kind of sporadic things. And it's always fresh. Even, like, even coming back in to play them today, rehearsing stuff, we're playing stuff from not only the last album, but like, the first record we ever did yeah. and it sounded I thought it sounded brilliant like yeah. um, we haven't played in so long but it sounded really fresh and I thought it sounded great like so yeah. there's also that advantage of not playing too often uh, I, I just want to hear about Japan Japan sounds like I'd say it must be unreal to play is it? Yeah. it was brilliant we were there in 2011 was it? yeah um, and it was like a short tour but it was it was my first time to Japan so there was that on top of it being like you know you're playing you're going on tour and playing gigs and you're with your friends it's my first time in japan so it was brilliant i was somewhere i always wanted to go so everything about it i absolutely adored that was amazing like the only person that in the band that'd been there was richie like he'd been there for a short holiday i think yeah yeah yeah. and um oh it's just incredible i mean we toured japan we played two gigs in tokyo uh osaka osaka kyoto and uh in nagoya yeah so we like um 
It's, 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 it's like it's like playing in a different it's a different planet really like it, it really is the nature you know like in, in kyoto the the kind of the pigeon is an eagle so like there's just eagles flying around everywhere and like uh it's completely insane and and we had a really good turnouts there because the reason why we go to japan is because the japanese band light you know light they um they kind of yeah we when they were kind of into our music for a long time and we wanted kind of an influence on them and uh, when they came over here, we got chatting, and their label manager Kazutu, uh, he uh, was really into the music, and he just brought us brought us over. It's true light that we got to Japan. And it's 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 kind of a different culture playing gigs. There, the venues all have their own backline, which is really well looked after. So, and it, like it, it seems to be like a real slick operation. You'd walk into a venue you've never never been in before. Yeah, you just set up, and they just spend five minutes setting up around you, and then they just go, okay, play. And it just sounds amazing. And you're yeah. going, what the hell happened there? Like yeah. the sound check took really it takes quick, literally yeah. 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And they're going, everything sorted. Yeah. And you're just kind of standing going, that's very slick. You know, yeah. it was really, yeah. and, and, and everywhere we played there, it seemed to be kind of like that. And that it, they had yeah. everything under control. And when you tour, like if you tour Japan without somebody bringing you there, and it, like we had a translator, uh, Jun from the bass player from like he traveled with us and he was a translator and, and they would bring us to like the best record shops great restaurants you know what I mean you have a guide like because that, that happens in America uh, Taj a friend of ours and Sandy they were kind of just bringing us around and showing us places and yeah it's great it's, to have someone local some yeah. local knowledge so it's like it's like uh, yeah it's it's an amazing uh, experience to when we go on tour because you know it's very intimate. The promoter like is, is with us all the time, like taking care of us, and you know what I mean. It's not really a business transaction, you know. It's more like a, for the love of music or whatever, and just it's really you really get to know cities very very quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. And usually when people bring us to cities, uh, like promoters that they're usually into the same stuff that we're into, just you know, uh, because we're into the same music and people, there's a lot of different connections with different types of food or art or whatever, you know. Richie was in the Irish Times at the weekend. He was just, uh, it, was, it was a good interview, but he was talking about like, you know, oh, we'd never sign a major label deal or anything like that. Are these like the moments, like getting to go to Japan and stuff like that, are those the moments that are all worth it being in a band, you know? Like you don't need a big label to go to Japan anymore. Well, I don't know if that's, you, well, you don't need a big label, you know, but it's not the reason to be in a band. Like I'm in the band because... I love all the guys in the band. I love the music we play. That's why I, I like labels and touring. Well, labels are a very secondary thing. I wouldn't. I never think about labels. No. You know, Only when it comes to like a month before we have to release the record or something. <laughs> yeah. No, but like basically, like we've had never, we've had very small interactions with labels. The only time that we deal with labels is when we invest all our money into the recording. And then we're like, "Fuck, we got no money to uh, to be, to press this." And we always want to press it on vinyl. We always want to have it on gay fold vinyl because then it feels real to us. Um, so we always run out of money, and then that's when the labels step in. Basically, that's yeah. the situation yeah. because you know we've been together for twenty years. We uh, we are very good. Uh, or we wouldn't if we thought we were shit. We wouldn't be still a band together after twenty years. But we like we we have a following that's developed over twenty years globally. So there's a lot of people like in America that are into us in Japan and England and, and or in Europe or whatever. So if you're going to do a run of vinyl, most likely they are going to sell out, you know. So it's an investment. You will make your money back if you if you work with us. Yeah. And, uh, but like, um, but as far as like, you know, uh, having an external kind of uh, patron to basically kind of invest money in your uh, 
like indulging in like studio time and owning the music after who owns the music when people pray for it. we don't do anything like that we just we own them we record it we master it and then we need when we need help that's where labels include they don't organize really tours or anything for us we organize our own tours and everything like that yeah. so labels are not they're not really labels and it's more like a credit union like that's basically the relationship we have with labels and obviously, you know, like obviously, that's <laughs> my sound harsh. <laughs> but, like, but the people, but then again, the labels are not going to release our music if they're not into the music. You know, it's not a credit union in that respect. But it's like, uh, you know, yeah, we don't have any, we, never, we don't have any type of unrealistic hopes or expectations from a label's going to swoop in, give us loads of money, set up tours, do all that kind of shit for us. It's, I don't think like, we wouldn't really attract what people would consider. I don't think anyone needs major labels now, really, probably to get their music out and heard. And, you know, they can do something themselves. I don't think major labels would really be... We wouldn't be their kind of thing and they wouldn't be our kind of thing. Like it's, We're just on different... Yeah. And I mean, like, it's always, it's always like... The only difference is, is like exposure of the music to people that will be into it. And that that's... That, like, if we could do that, like, I think a, a method, a better way of doing that would be, for example, we'd be more into, like, getting a, a soundtrack to a movie. You know, like in the movie, probably would be bigger. Then, then that would help send our music around the place. But as far as record industry, that wouldn't be the kind of the route I would see us ever kind of, yeah, taking to be able to. I wouldn't have considered it much. Uh, like I just we kinda, never think about it. No, yeah. why want to just keep writing and playing music? Yeah, <laughs> you know, with people. Music that is I, not. Yeah, it's not written to make money, or you know. No, you know. I just I'm I find it very therapeutic, and I also find it just it's very enjoyable. And I feel very lucky to be in a band, you know, with five other people, you know, that I think enjoy the music as much as I do. And that's the main thing. I, obviously, I want people to like it. I'd like the more, the merrier. Yeah. I'd love if everyone loved it. But that's not really the reason. The reason. Just write, play music to the best that you can and then let people hear it and hopefully you'll get some gigs <laughs> and get to travel around a bit and then meet people that like your music. Like most of the tours and stuff that we've done have been kind of relatively small scale but they've all been brilliant because we've gone into places you'd never get to see you play a gig like what else are you going to do on a Monday night yeah. where you could be oh yeah well, where, what are we doing we're in Paris oh brilliant play a gig mm. you know and what else where are you going what are we doing on Tuesday night oh yeah you're in you know Leon oh brilliant play yeah. a gig <laughs> you know what I mean and you're just going to get you, you get to travel around <laughs> yeah you know, but I mean you get to travel around it's very you're in a very privileged situation, you know, to be able to travel around a bit, playing gigs and meeting people that are into your music. Is that something that takes a while to actually, like, realise that, oh, I'm in it for the music? You know, like, when you start, you're all big and brash and, like, I'm yeah. going to be the fucking biggest bang band in the world. You know, I want everyone to hear it. And then d does there come a point where you're, like, like, you just meet people who you don't want to associate with or something like, you know, like suits or something, and you're, like, fuck all that you know it's just about this about being in the studio for me a lot of us are in other bands you know that would have been in rooms with suits signing contracts or having to sh hang out with arseholes and like uh like we've all been in situations like that but like different music which isn't the reading manifesto you know more pop music or whatever and just that whole experience was a was a total nightmare and absolutely horrible and um one of the wor some of the worst memories I have of music uh, was being in situations like that. But the rednecks is a kind of a precious thing, um, which goes is just which is just completely distant to all of that and completely detached from any type of industry. 
um, and that's why it's so special. Like it's not we only play music to write music. We only get together to write music, and then perform it live. There's no there's nothing else than the music. Be honest with you. You know, like touring is just a, we don't write music so we can tour. You know what I mean? We write music to write music, and and then touring comes from that. But like, there's no money involved. We don't we don't get paid out. We don't pay out payments to each other after gigs. We don't split the money. The money goes straight back into the band. You know, we don't see any money. You might get a hundred quid or something. You know, now and again, uh, you might for get Christmas. Your, you might get your flights paid for, but you don't. Yeah. You have to keep the money going in because we'd spend a lot of money on recording. You know, yeah, well, like we want it to be as good as we possibly yeah. can. So we tried to go to a decent studio. We tried to get someone, you know to help us record it who understands the band we try to make it as good as possible then we spend money on getting it mastered properly we spend money on like the gatefold sleeve to make it look good, yeah you know, yeah so all that kind of stuff yeah looks yeah proper yeah you know that's a priority yeah. yeah like i haven't found personally myself in too many situations in a music industry type thing where i've gone oh i can't stand this like i've always i don't think my attitude towards music has changed since i was a kid really like when I was in bands, I always just wanted to play music. I never really had, I never really had desires to be like you know a famous musician. I just wanted to be in a band with friends and we'd play music and have a bit of a bit of a laugh. Yeah, know? like are, are, are people the labels that we would look up to to would be like really small, like like Discord back when we started off. Yeah. Like that would be amazing. Like back in the day to be to be on discord that would be incredible but that's like it's not because they have any money it's just like it was you're on a roster with lots of amazing that would be it like operated, yeah, yeah but then like that would be it and you would never really think about it you wouldn't hunt it down or anything you know and uh, like no we were never into it that really. inspired us to start our own stuff because they were all small labels from like smaller kind of areas in the states maybe yeah and they were just going oh yeah we didn't have You'd be reading interviews with those guys, and what well, we didn't have a music industry around here. Uh, people think you're in the states, you got a music industry, but they just go, there wasn't. They'd never come here, so we just start up our own. We just start releasing our own records, which kind of inspired the bands I've always been in to just go. Well, we can just you know we, can we released songs. most of the we albums ourselves, them. the early albums anyway. Yeah, um, on our own record label, but um, and that that was just so we could have control over them. You know, we never thought we'd be like Radiohead or something like that. We never had any. Any kind of not that there's something wrong with being like no 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 but, but I mean yeah, like we never, we never there, there was never showcase gigs or anything like that Our we never did anything were like that to be as good as we possibly could in terms of these songs uh, all of us would love to listen to these songs you know and that's it yeah where do they go from here anybody yeah. knows you know and so like did you ever talk about like oh, I think the rednecks might be done or was it always like we'll get back to it when we get back to it like Richie after he goes to uh, three years after you to Sweden, like, yeah. are are you guys back in Dublin? Like, haven't heard from the lads in a while. <laughs> I think, um, uh, no, I don't <laughs> think it's ever. I mean, it, like, it kind of <laughs> things obviously slow down, you know, when the when the guys went to Sweden, but that was no bad thing, you know. Kind of gave you space to kind of think, and then I actually appreciate the band. You're going, God, I wonder when the lads are back because yeah. you know I really miss playing. Now when they're back. We just kind of settled back in. Oh, we should meet up and rehearse. And the great thing is that when we did meet up again and rehearse, it was like no one had ever been away. Yeah. It was just kind of bang. There was like there was a period of frustration. It's just a fr people were getting frustrated that there was there was too much time between us not um, not writing music together. You know, like like it wasn't like it wasn't. It was just basically. Yeah, but there was a period of time where people were getting kind of a little bit frustrated. Like a couple of years into friendship, where everybody was getting a little bit kind of like. 
not itchy what you call it well no it is like, kind uh, of you know you're there going well are we ever going to get together to finish a new record will we ever get the time to you know continue going like we didn't want to stop but it was kind of going but how do we continue going that's why we start trying to different things that, work yeah, out. that didn't work out and then actually this the last album although it's been a long time since the album beforehand the album itself didn't take that long not about a year and a half or something. like once we kind of found you know nothing's working for us we've tried a lot of things we need to be in a room together yeah so when Richie and Maddie were back from Sweden we made the most of the time going they're back for even just a week let's get in and have a couple of rehearsals during that week and make the most of it and then it just happened to be that you were back quite a bit over the course of you know six or seven months and we just we got shitloads done basically we just went yeah bang and we just became we were really productive over that time mm. and we were able to go you know we can get an album together relatively quickly because I kind of see it like I never see it like I would I on a personal level like I'd never kind of I don't ever see an end like I see us kind of like jamming when we're like 70 or 80 you know that kind of way because it's still it's still we still be playing like there's no external pressure it's kind of like a not like not a society whatever like you know like if you know like um it, it, there's no reason to, for it to end you know we love hanging out with each other we love writing music together and i do see us being like super old dudes just like jamming you know what i mean if that's possible yeah <laughs> uh, it is possible yeah and like things get in the way like we all have kids you know we the, the band now has 11 kids to, like like uh, Niall has 10 and uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no there's six of us there's 11 kids knocking around now so uh, finding time to play as well and work or whatever but um, it's worked out very good the last couple of years and I think we've in a system now where there's a lot of us are, are self-employed and myself and my uh, wife Emily we run a design company and we do a lot of work over here so uh, we're in Ireland a lot, so we got that gives an opportunity to jam as well. well. The band is actually also very lucky to have Maddie and Emily involved because they do so much stuff for the band that, like, if we were to kind of outsource that to somebody else, you know, we'd be going, oh, we'd have to do another gig to afford this. Yeah. You know, because, <laughs> um, so, again, we kind of fall on our feet a lot. We seem to, that we just kind of go, actually, you know, we have these kind of opportunities going, yeah, Maddie and Emily can do that and it will be as good as anyone in the world could do. You know what I mean? You go, brilliant, we've got that. So like who like who picked up the phone? You mentioned that like, you know, you were you were just in Ireland and you were in a room together and making music again. Like when did you go to Donegal? Was it was that it's Donegal, isn't it? Yeah, Atticus yeah, 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 Studio. Yeah, yeah. Is it is that was that what the plan was? Like we have to take a week, we have to go up to Donegal, we have to talk to Tommy and all the guys yeah. there and like we'll have something at the end of it. Um, no, we were actually like we 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 actually got into, like we on all our records like we 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 are usually pretty well prepared when we go into the studio. Um, we had the tracks already written. There was not that much improvisation in the studio, so like we had been we basically got all the 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 album together, and then we decided let's book a studio and get this recorded. You know, um, on the albums there's uh, on all the records there there's always been some kind of um improvisational song which is written in the studio it didn't happen this time um maybe because we had so much music to record but um we know we were pretty well this time around we were actually really well rehearsed and like we just got in there to record it was like quite quite a structured kind of thing you know it wasn't like like i understand what you're saying and that i could see that happening in the next record where 
you get like a kind of a, a lot of really interesting ideas together and then you go up and you kind of piece it together in a studio and I think that would be a really exciting thing to do and I think and we, we want to release something really a hell of a lot quicker than eight years so yeah. we're excited we got, want to get new tracks out there we're jamming uh, new music today in between um rehearsing and 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 um like we just we want like i think that we, if we get the flushed out idea for a couple of tracks that next time we will probably go up and do an ep in somewhere like attic audio and in, in, in uh it's a great in, studio the it's a great studio yeah. tommy's amazing and dave Odlum uh produced and record the record uh and um, it's in a beautiful studio it's, it's amazing. an amazing studio and also the location of it helps a band like us i think because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere you know it's which it suits us yeah. to work in a situation like that because you've, you've no zero distractions. Yeah, you've yeah. just got the studio. You have to just focus on the record. You know, Tommy's parents own a pub though down the road, so that was a pretty that yeah. Was but that was we, we kind of were <laughs> conscious of not overdoing that. Yeah, and we yeah. just kind of <laughs> later in the evenings, maybe when we were all a bit jaded, we just go, oh, we we'll just go and have a beer. Yeah, and we kept that to a minimum because I mean. Actually, it's better than any of the studios probably that would be we'd have in Dublin, you know, yeah. for us anyway. So it wasn't an option there. But I mean, a studio in Dublin, you'd always have the distraction of going, you know, if for an example you hit it, hit a bit of a wall, and you're going, oh, we're not gonna really getting anywhere with this track. What we do, just head uh, home. You think just, it, yeah. yeah, you'd kind of go off and well, we'd go to the pub or we'd go off and think about. It. You just waste time. Whereas because Attica is not really that close to anywhere, you might take a break and then you're going something to do yeah let's just go back to the studio it's, it's like it's like an Irish version of uh, Black Box where we recorded the last records this is like in the middle of nowhere in France in a place called Angers and it's just like a not converted like cow shed but it's a beautiful studio amazing but it's it. uh, so, but that's total isolation as well we just record like like record music from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the morning all day you know and uh, yeah any external d- distractions that would be our kind of our criteria for um for a studio Total isolation. <laughs> Tell me how a Redneck Manifesto track or album comes together. Like, what what's the absolute basis that you have to work with? Or are you all kind of, like, working separately and then kind of showing each other what you've come up with the riffs or something that you think oh this sounds like a new right now manifesto song yeah well it happens in it happens in uh in t- kind of in two ways really uh w- people would come in with riffs now i would come in with a lot of riffs a lot of uh, uh like just riffs and maybe riffs uh and segues between riffs and then on this record myself Niall and merv because because richie was away a lot and the lads were away uh so that kind of was a core hub for this one, a little bit of Merv and Niall and myself, just for availability reasons, then Richie came in. But um, so a lot of the stuff was written on guitar and drums this time around. Um, but it was basically Niall would bring in a riff and like, some chords and then I would jam over it and then we'd do our transitions and we could, wouldn't, like not even with a beat or anything like that, just kind of jamming guitars. And then some, 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 some songs are written full. Like, there's no song ever written to completion with just two members or three members of the band because it, it, it's the, the song has to be finished and like formed completely by all members of the band, you know. Um, and it's also like we never it, that, that the exclusion of any member is to the detriment of the song. So, so that's the way we feel about it. So you have to leave space. You have to, you always have to leave space. If you have an idea and you're developing it, you, you never you have to stop yourself from developing it too much. Because you don't, we don't come into a room, or Richie wouldn't come into a room and go, "This is the song." Uh, put some guitar over that. Like it's 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 because because the the rednecks, it's all about the interaction between the instruments and 
and it, like the song is not written until we play it over and over again and fill those spaces in between the music uh, in between the notes and although Maddie says I would maybe come up with a lot of riffs and uh, segues I would be very conscious not to overdo them like I'd go home I'd be at home and I'd be playing and, and if I got something that I liked I'd nearly just go okay I'm going to stop that I won't won't bring it any further than it already is because if I kept playing it and kind of writing the whole song around I'd have it in my head oh yeah it should go like this that and the other invariably I'd bring it down play it to someone and they'd do something else over and i go that's not the way I heard it in my head and it doesn't work you know so I don't like to overthink it if I have a riff it's usually the bare bones of a riff and it's not actually a completed riff till everyone else has kind of heard it and they might I, I might have a riff that I play a certain way Maddie could even just start playing straight when I go actually yeah I'm going to just change my riff a little bit because it, now they're complementing each other or I can hear that like you say yeah. Maddie's left space there I can feel it I can take that out because Maddie's doing what Maddie's doing is better and if the two guitars are going at the same time they're clashing so I'll drop or if Richie comes in and starts playing something I go oh yeah that's I should actually accent that note that Richie's playing so yeah. you kind of just, just because, like, develop just, the riff just because you like if somebody created a ba- the, 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 the kind of the beginning idea doesn't you, you don't take any ownership over it you can't because then it's then you try and dominate the music and then like if somebody comes along and a riff is is more is is, is more leading in in it then that takes priority bass drums or whatever mm. that that kind of that giving and taking you just you kind of just putting these ideas into a pool you like yeah. kind of quite freely and usually if somebody thinks something's shit or like it is shit you know like cuz we like we kind of we have we we're so quick then at developing music together um, we are filter are so locked in. It's been a long time, twenty years, you know. And all our guitars, our, our, our instruments, the way we play our instruments is, is like I play quite high up on the neck because Niall plays quite low on the neck. You know what I mean? Like when 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 Niall shifts up on the neck, Richie shifts down to fill those frequencies. It's just kind of like giving and taking. Yeah. Like maybe I'm playing a different rhythm. I'm playing a different rhythm to Niall. Niall's playing. Uh, Richie's playing a different rhythm to me. We're all playing different rhythms. And Mervyn plays a core rhythm, which interlocks. Like it's very complicated. Like it's it's hard, really hard to explain. There's n- there's never any complete like formula or system. It's you know no, not until you the know. song is finished. And but it, but that's a good song. But the the, pro- the primary thing is, is 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 that the song is flush is, is kind of written when we're all in the room. And like, I mean, eight years again is such a long time in music. Tastes change and everything. Like, do you still think it's a redneck manifesto sound or anything like that, or is that just not something that you ever think about? It's what happened. Again, it's something I would never think about, but I think it's just happened. We've developed the way we play. Like Maddie was saying, the way we play is by our interaction with each other. You know, like I play guitar, or I'd have a riff, but my, the, what I'm playing is then shaped by what everyone else is doing. So, I think we kind of have our own sound, but yeah, because like I suppose, I suppose uh, the first ten years of the band when we were all like rehearsing twice a week here, like that's when like our guitar, like when we met each other, we were all in different bands, and all the different bands were different from each other, right? And so very different, different from very, Manifesto. very different from Manifesto, but like they were all completely different types of bands, right? So then when we got together. Obviously, the first couple of rehearsals, like it's like like four different or five different people playing different bands playing at the same time. But then, uh, then all of a sudden, over rehearsals, rehearsals, your style changes and interlocks. And then you, at that point, we like we were still young, kind of like, and our instruments, we were still trying to find our voice on our instruments. So, so that point in which the band is developing and our personal musical development is totally interlocked. So, 
like those formative years of Richie's bass style, Merv's drum style, Niall and my, my guitar playing style, and Neil and, and Glenn, they're kind of locked in now. So if I play on a, if I play with in Jape, I play my guitar style would sound like the Renick Manifesto. That's just because that's you know what I mean. It's kind of like we've the so so even if I'm mad into Drake at the moment, right? And I'll bring some type of vocal melodies from whatever any type of music could be into anything, you know. Um, you bring that in, but you're still filtering it through your own style of playing an instrument. You know, that kind of way. Yeah, and although, like I say, eight years is a long time and tastes change, yeah. the biggest influence on us is each other. You know, like, we influence, like, you guys have influenced how I play guitar more than me listening to any type of music. Like, I'm hearing new music all the time. I go, that's, that's cool, that's cool, I like that. But it doesn't influence me like the band they're like the band that we already are you know but the, but the good thing about it is is that like we don't have any perimeters that you have to adhere to to be a Renic manifesto piece of music no, and it like just it, has to sound it good can't like it just has to sound good like you know you know uh no reggae you know reggae you can't play any reggae riffs and if you know that sounds like a challenge yeah yeah it's uh, there's no it's, uh, if you put perimeters on the music or guidelines to make, ensure that it has to sound like a Renic manifesto song it just we naturally sound like that together I was talking to a band recently, Spies, who have just released their debut album. They've been together like a, a decade or so, and they were saying at the start like they had so many rules, and it was like once they decided, you know, get rid of the rules, like you know, um, no second microphone or something like that. You know, did you have any anything like that at the start where you were like, no, we can't do this, this, or this. We want to be like this exact band. Like, did you know what you wanted to be at the start? I think when we were younger, we were a lot more, we were a lot moodier. You know, like, so the mu- music was a bit m- moody. Mm. I don't remember like, any rules. We probably had unwritten rules that you just kind of, you might be, oh, no, we can't do that. You know, nothing specific, but, like, somebody might go, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, without giving it a chance even. Whereas now, there's no rules now. You just kind of go, okay, I tend to let stuff sit with me much longer than I used to. Like, if I don't, it used to be a case if I didn't like something straight away, i just go, no, I don't like that. Yeah. Whereas now I'm going, okay, Leave it with me, and we'll play. It, but we'll keep playing it because there's been plenty of times where I've my initial reaction to something, someone's going, "I'm not too sure about that." And then after a while, I go, "You know, I, I absolutely adore that in that song." Yeah. You know, um. But back in the day when we first started, I think I would have been more, you know, no, no, I, I don't like that. We're not using it. You know, I think that'd be the only thing, but not yeah. specific rules. But I just would have been more. You know, argumentative. But it's it's really important to push the sound, though. Like, yeah, like it's like um, you have to kind of push. Like personally, when I'm playing the guitar, like I I really strive to push myself outside of things that I've been doing, say, for the last couple of years or whatever. And that could be just getting a new effects pedal and playing with that and learning that, or you know, just different style of playing the guitar or different influences or. You have to make your. You have to play something really uncomfortable to you. To uh, it has to, be, it has to feel it has to, unco- it, has to f- yeah, it has to has to feel kind of uncomfortable for you to play at the beginning. Just to, you have to keep on pushing yourself as as a musician personally, and that pushes the band on as well. It's kind of like it's hard to explain. Like it's like you kind of look at your instrument and you try and attack it at a different way that you usually do, and that will push the sound a little bit forward. Sometimes it's horseshit, and then sometimes it's good, and then that will come part of your kind of how you play your instrument. Uh, 
none of us are is like zero theory. We don't know the name of a chord. We don't know the name of a note. Like I mean, if, if like what note is that? I have to actually like go. Like that's an open G. Okay, that's a G sharp. You know, like there's like there's zero theory involved. We don't. It's all rhythm and it's all melody, and yeah. we don't. We can't. We don't discuss the music in in theoretical terms like no. this at all. Like what what rhythm is that? I don't have a fucking clue. What note is that? We don't know. What chord is that? I don't know. It just a load of notes that sound good together. Like I swear to God, and that's probably a good thing in in, in our that that maybe theory in a way is in a is is, is a, if you know what's if you understand what's going on, that might be uh, limiting. <laughs> Again, it like I never thought I'd have an odd way of playing guitar until I was in the Renat Manifesto and people kept saying, "Well, what time are you doing there?" Uh, I wouldn't know. Like I just go, oh, "No, this this I'm just playing the riff the way I hear it," and then. I think people will be trying to work out what they're doing around it or yeah like like what like we'd be playing, playing I'm guessing we're playing totally different do- time signatures all the time but like uh, it'd be odd to try and kind of like like kind of theorise what, you, what you're going what you're doing you know so so let's go back to the early years like the first couple of years before like maybe 98 to like 2003 was it an exciting time for music because I was talking to someone recently who was saying that Dublin in the early noughties was shite for music you know because you think of some of the acts who were around kind of you know the singer songwritery type yeah, stuff and you yeah. guys obviously weren't part of that scene I don't think anyway <laughs> <laughs> no definitely not like were you excited by the music that was coming out of Dublin like among your peers and stuff like who else was was I'd around hard, I'd find it hard to even con- like who was around then I can't even remember like I was exciting time for us because we were in a band I was in a band that we found I've, or I found yeah. exciting and we were very productive back then like we kind of like in those couple of years we released a bunch of seven inches a couple of albums yeah. a mini album like in that first five years like to be honest with you, Niall was in my favorite Irish band of all time. <laughs> so Jack Beast. So like, so, so we got him. So that. we just his band got destroyed. So I didn't need to worry about that anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> he was just assimilated into took the be- like, cause yeah, cause we were all huge fans of uh, Jack Beast. So and they would be been a huge influence on on all of us individually before we started a band together. So like, so there was a lot going on. There was there a lot was. of really small. Like I, I loved that band, The Idiots. Yeah. Like, they were from a little bit before that, but they were still going then. Uh, Warm I Hall, thought they Warm were Hall's amazing. Were great and like um, Decal, like I loved loads of really good bands. Mexican Pets, I yeah. adored. Yeah. You know, there was loads of great bands. I don't know if they were, I'm trying to put that, were they just that little bit before us? Around the same time. I think maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, a little bit before too. I think they were a little bit before us and they, they would have been still going when we started. Man, it's hard. It's, it's a very hard question to say because you're, you're kind of blending in like nostalgia, the excitement of youth mixed in with like if the same music scene was around now, like I would just think it's a lot of horseshit because, you know, I'm just too tired and but like I get too burnt, too burnt out. No, no, but uh, no, it was, it was. It was loads of really cool venues, but like the shit sound system, very smoking inside and, you know, your eyes hurt and then you're just like but there's a lot of lot of independent music happening and it's still happening now if I had to give an answer I'd say it was a good time for me I think there was a lot of good bands around yeah I'm just I'm I'm more detached from it now so I don't know if there's a lot of good bands around in Dublin yeah exactly exactly Um, yeah like back then I would have gone to every gig that was on like I'd have just gone oh gone down to the attic even if I didn't know who was playing I'd go because I'd go to see bands in the attic or go to the funnel or you know what I mean I'd just go there's going to be a gig on it was a huge sense of community as well between it was, all of us. It was, it, was it, was, it was it was amazing time actually. Yeah, it was brilliant. Oh, but that was just because we were young as well. 
have have you reminisced among yourselves like just uh who, like 20 years you know we better do something for this and then obviously you're talking about like back to 98 and stuff like have you been like reminiscing about the good times and the bad times I don't know. Well, we well we're doing the gig on Friday, which yeah. is you know an album launch and celebrating the band being twenty years. And we like I said earlier, we're doing a song at that gig, which was the first song we ever released. Mm. So nearly twenty years ago. So we we wouldn't have really that wouldn't have really crossed our mind to play that song unless this gig was happening. When we went back and kind of went, okay, we'll play that. That it could be really cool. You know, it's the first song we ever released. Play it, and we played it. I thought it sounded amazing. Yeah, like yeah. I was, re- I was kind of going, I wonder will this kind of stand up. And to me, it did. I it thought did. It yeah, really. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. so it is a type of musical nostalgia. We would never sit around like, like, like we were like in in the army together, going through a war. Like, rem- like you know, like I mean, like it's we'd reminisce about where we've been. Yeah, um, and we'll and we're, we're, think we're more looking, looking to the future. Like we're really more. excited about going to Japan. We're really excited about the gig on Friday, um, the new album coming out. You know, like it's just we're really excited about that. We we don't live in the past really at all. When we're, when we're in a room together, we're we're usually just catching up on how things go and talking about musical gear, what guitar pedals you have, blah blah blah, and then like let's go write some music. You know, so it's always like pushing forward. Yeah, um, so we're looking forward to. I think we start gig, reminiscing in the next the ten album. years. I'd say. Yeah, you start yeah, losing a bit. Yeah, like, maybe yeah. so. But it's it's <laughs> also we haven't been to the UK in years, so it'd be nice. We're going to try to get to the UK next year, yeah. hopefully. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's been so long. So it's more looking forward. What are we going to do? We'll get the album. You know, we've got Japan. The record will be released in Japan. It'd be nice to get to the UK because we haven't done it in so long. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's more stuff like that, and then it's looking. It'd be nice to start writing, looking to get another record. Yeah. It's more about looking forward than looking back. Yeah. Uh, I think longevity is something that like so few bands actually get to enjoy. You know, like a lot of bands are like five, six years, one or two albums, and then they're done. Like even the Stripes, who broke up uh, a couple of weeks ago, even though they're like 18, 20, 21 or something, you know, they were, it's only been like eight years, eight years, I'd say, max sort of thing. And they're kind of like, okay, we're done now, onto onto new things. But like, do you think that you hit your stride early? Do you think something else came to you when you were together for six, eight, ten years that like you didn't have before? Um, We always like, we were always very lucky. There was always an energy when we got, when we got together, like maybe it was because we were from loads of different bands, whatever, but people are always excited about us playing. Like we started sold, selling out gigs almost directly, like, and we've just kept on doing that all the way for the last 20 years. There's kind of an excitement that people have about when we're playing yeah. together. And um, I think as well, like Maddie was saying, he likes to push himself as a musician. I think that is important because that means you can keep moving forward. I think some bands don't push themselves enough and they just start going over the same old ground and then it just gets tedious and they're going we're going nowhere because they're just they're just running around in circles whereas if you have someone who's kind of pushing the band forward or if all the people are kind of we need to you know let's just try something new and kind of develop it you know it doesn't have to be a massive you know leap or we're going to change our style of music completely it's just a development of what you're already doing and i think that's kind of kept us excited we we hit we we hit the ground running i think Mm -hmm. like we did start off on the front foot and we just kept moving kept on going like the thing is like like i know you're kind of i'm making assumptions here but like that classic like that cliche of your young band together jamming in your room and you give your demo tape to a record label and then you get a manager because they want 20%, 10% of that contract. And then they, then you've got a manager in there. So that's an, that's another, that's another an external tension. 
you know, obviously it has benefits, obviously, but it, it, that's an external person outside of the music having control over your music. And then you have a label that have the, that's the same issue. And then, like, if maybe if the Stripes, I don't know why they broke up, you know, maybe, I don't, I'm not going to say anything, I don't have a clue, but uh, um, there could have been any reason. Um, but, like, you know, bands, like, maybe, you know, they got dropped and then they think they're worthless and then they break up. Or, like, it, it or... Yeah, you know, p- you know, you know, external pressures, external pressures where it goes beyond the music. So if you go out, if you pressures. go outside of that reason, like obviously you can just have bad mix of people where their personalities don't ever, never really worked out. But you end up being a band. We're ever very lucky that we're in a band where all our personalities gel together. Um, but just external, external influences outside of the music can cause tension within the band, and then therefore you might split prematurely. You know that kind of way. Yeah, we never really had that kind of external pressure because we always were a very insular man we just looked after ourselves like like we just start recording when we had yeah. when we got money we played gigs like Maddie said people start turn, turning up to our gigs very early and the money we got from those gigs we went oh we can record an album yeah and we recorded an album we went oh yeah with the money we get, we can release the album so we don't have to like look for anyone else to help us we can put out the album ourselves and then we did that and then I think we went to Europe on tour yeah, with the first yeah, record. Yeah, we yeah. went, oh, we can get to Europe on tour on the back of this. This is brilliant. Go to Europe, you tour, you come back, you go, we've got money to record another album. Yeah, and we just yeah, kind of kept... cycle. 20 years goes by, in that cycle, 20 years yeah. go by incredibly quickly. Yeah, but yeah. we never had anyone, <laughs> like we never really had a man, we just looked after ourselves. We never had, like you said, we never had external pressure. Yeah. It was just the pressure we put on ourselves to go, we can do this, let's do it, you know what I mean? And... It's making it sound like the band's a hobby, but it's not a hobby. It's something a lot deeper than that. Like it's, I don't, you know, I don't play music or anybody else anymore. This is enough for me, you know. Yeah, that maybe like that's a the the answer to your question. That's why like that's maybe why we've lasted so long. Now we do fight. We're not always just hanging out in love with each other. No. You know, we have fight every second day, but it's just bullshit about you know just some crap. You know, like you know, it's good to fight. Keep everybody on their toes. Yeah, keep everybody on their toes. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite song, quintessential Redneck Manifesto song? Or conversely, like a song that you wish you could have done something else with. That's probably a question <laughs> that will start another fight. Like, <laughs> I heard what you said on that podcast about my song. <laughs> what do you think? Um, What's your favourite Redneck song? Oh. Favourite Redneck song? I don't know, to be honest with you. What song do you enjoy playing live? I love Smile More. I love playing Smile More like, live. Yeah. All the kind of, like, anything that we play off the last three albums so Anton Off The How Anton Off Friendship and Anton Off I In Brazil the the songs that we still play live off those records I love them all I just think they're really good and like some songs that work so well live for us like Black Apple where it's just like these time for things to kind of explode and and like working with the crowd like bringing stuff down and like you know you know like kind of trying to explain how the band works by breaking stuff down in some sections you know like in uh, another day of hunting or something like that you know when it breaks down to just you and so i love that kind of that i love playing that song live um but the might this the sweetest spot there's like you, you have your your explosive kind of like loud drones which are really great to get immersed in as a i don't know if the crowd likes it but as a as, as a musician <laughs> but then there's a moment in which you actually just write music and you play you play these riffs like just to want to get people to move you know and i love that kind of uh, aspect as well um but for me we smile more on black apple would be my favorite and that's uh but often off the old records we haven't played a new song so much but uh yeah we'll have to yeah, see how they yeah, go live. yeah yeah yeah
I'm presuming like Japan is probably up there as a highlight, but uh, are there any gig, like I think you mentioned earlier, Niall, just uh, uh, like all the tours we've done have been brilliant. I was just thinking like, I bet there's one tour, one gig that's like stands out, stands out as the bad one, as the dumb. Oh man, well, I suppose, why have we not toured the UK uh, a lot? Because... Without naming too many names. Well, uh, let's get really... Okay, no, no, please, no. Please. <laughs> Did I do something? <laughs> no, no. Would you remember? Remember we were draw. We drew done France, and then we drove all the way from like where they from. No, we drove like some like fourteen hours or something, and then we turned oh, up Manchester. in Manchester and we opened up our car and spray painted on the ground was fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. So, and so that was the, that was the end of the tour. So it was our first. Yeah, I think that was our first tour of Europe to yeah. kind of tour around Europe, and we're coming back to the UK. So we were all we had a car crash, and like we, we were had all to, like really the tired. Car, the axle, front axle broken half, and we had to buy a Volkswagen Passat from 1985 to finish the tour. And like we uh, we were driving back in this Volkswagen Passat, and uh, we was just like, what happened? We were in. It was like Manchester, 200 miles, and then. Manchester and we opened up just blinked and it was like Manchester five miles and we are like did we just all pass out or fall asleep at the same time you know it was a lot of kind of freaky situation but uh, England England any gig in England would be in the lowest the lowest uh, yeah, that's why we don't really... tour there that much because there, this may be whatever I don't mind but uh, like the 50 quid gig the, it's such a industry based where they put so much high value on how successful you are and stuff like that like we got a lot of be a lot more industry it's based. our industry kind of vibe and the venues you know not that many nice places to play you know there's but a couple of places we, we like to play there that much we have been there London we, have we ever played a gig in London no no we've been, never, off, we've yeah. been asked over quite a bit because the priority the pro- like cause gone. what would happen would be like we would go okay we have two weeks to go on tour uh, will we go to England or will we go to uh, America Japan. or Japan? Like, where are you going to go? Like, to be honest with you, you know. Yeah, uh, back so when we were a, a younger band and, like, kind of we were trying every year to, like, release a record, do a tour. Yeah, and yeah. yeah we did. We kind of had two weeks that we could tour because I have older kids, so, like, yeah, my kids are grown up now. But back then, I had very young kids, so I was going, like, I can't go away for that long. Like, I've got two or three kids, you know, yeah. so I can't be kind of... I'm going off on tour for six months. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, you know. Um, so we kind of would pick and choose, and yeah, the UK for whatever reason, but because we didn't have great times there, we just went. Oh, I'd rather just go to Europe and tour around like France, Germany, Holland, Belgium, you yeah. know, or go to Japan, or we'll go to the states. Had some like amazing gigs at the Electric Picnic and stuff like that, and. They like some some of those ones are really like uh, the, the the stage outside. I can't remember what it was called that year. Me and Richie played at that time. We played with um with David Kit, Jape, and the Renegade Manifesto all in a row. So we were on the stage for four and a half hours while all the other gear was changing around us. But uh, <laughs> that was funny. No, but then and then uh, playing in America, you know, like playing in Texas and uh, remember we sold out Texas this gig. There's like six hundred people in 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 Austin and. They well, would I would love to get back to the UK. Like I'd love to go because I'd love to play in London. Yeah, because there has to be great gigs to play there. You know, just, just the, our wanted... personal experience hasn't been great, but I'd love to go back. I think we will go back next we will. year. Yeah, it sounds like you're excited about the new album. It sounds like you're excited about playing Vicar Street. What can uh, people expect from from the gig and then from ye next year if they're not in Japan in uh, in May? <laughs> 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 what What are you allowed to say? Yeah. <laughs> well, in terms of Ireland, I don't know what the we will be doing gigs in Ireland next year, but yeah. we don't have like our we're doing the, the gig on Friday. We're gonna start setting up shows then for yeah. mid mid next like the beginning like around March or April next I'd year. I say in March we'll start playing gigs around Ireland, and 
like I say, look maybe do a gig or two in the UK. Yeah. And Japan is in May, is it? In May, yeah. So beyond May of next year, we've got nothing. I think that then we'll just directly start writing again. Yeah. And try and get into the studio early the following year. Uh, hopefully, but you never know what's going to happen. You probably talk to us in another eight years, but uh, no. But uh, uh, that's the plan. But like, as far as like what we're doing at Vicar Street, I mean, at, at the beginning it was going to be a total nostalgia kind of trip. You know what I mean? Like go through all the albums, years, all yeah. the, like and play like just kind of like and like we're oh, yeah we, yeah. But then we decided like we. I think that would give out the wrong signal uh, and just we'd be just we'd be way more exciting to split a 50-50 where you're looking to the past and you're looking to the future and that's the reason for releasing the album on that date and making sure that it was done in time for that gig you know and um, so uh, it's, it's a total mix between uh, the uh, our back catalogue and the new stuff that's coming out that a lot of people haven't heard yet and um, we're really excited to play the old stuff and we're really excited to play the new stuff you know so it's kind of like we're so excited about. We last time we played Vicar Street was two thousand and seven or six or something. When was it? Long time ago. Long time ago. And we love Vicar Street as a venue. It's a great venue, and uh, the sound is amazing. It's a quiet venue. You know, the bar is not uh, in the venue, and uh, people are you, you get a lot of space to really bring dynamics into it. And the staff, like the everyone who works in the actual venue, they really know their stuff. Like the uh, everyone that's involved in the stage. The sound, yeah, lights—they know their stuff, and they're, it's, yeah, it's kind of really great to be working with those people, yeah, you know, yeah. So like we're really ex- we're just super excited about it. And we love Wheelands and stuff like that, but it's a different set you'd play in Wheelands than you would in Vicar Street, obviously, because it's well, more it just, like because it's more kind of like in your face, you know, uh, Wheelands is. But um, just the dynamics is gonna be cool, bringing shit really, really low and kind of like playing with the venue a bit. It's gonna I'm really excited about it. It's gonna be cool. And hopefully the vinyl, the vinyl's being pressed this week. So the vinyl will actually be hot when you when you they probably if you touch it, it'll be uh, it'll be still hot like a like a hot freshly baked loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs>